everybody. This is Editor Hesk with a little note before we get started. Uh, this episode is being delivered out of sequence. It was actually recorded before the Trap Jaw episode. So in case that's confusing, I've had my second uh, vaccine for many months now. So if anything else uh, comes up chronologically that's confusing, that's why. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Oops All Monsters, a deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities, curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when I can figure out which of his three heads to talk to, is Gavin. And this weirdo with me, celebrating vaccination, is Hess. Oh yeah, that's right. Today for me was second, second of two, two out of two vaccinations. So uh, <laughs> bangarang! I'm glad that I can live and teach uh, greasy uh, hormonal eighth graders in safety. Uh, very, very good. <laughs> science is science is real, uh, and. <laughs> So before we get too far into that, uh, we are here, as always, to delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from both inside of the console and the box and beyond. Uh, And each week we bring a monster into the shop unknown to uh, our our co-host, And we present and discuss our monster for the edification of uh, each other and you, the listener. So before we get into the monsters, it's time, uh, it's the time in the show when we briefly divert to matters of a lexicographic nature. Yeah. Let's dive into Villainous Vocabulary. I'm a man of Vuvuzela Sound. I got, I got, I got words. I got words like nothing. Let me see which. I got dance. I got dance moves. Okay, I got one here. Um, do you know what gorse is? Gorse. Yeah. Like force, but with a G. Yeah. No, I do not know what gorse is. Gorse is uh, it's a yellow weed. It's uh, something that grows in England, and I think uh-huh. it's become like a slang term to just mean like any type of junk that's laying around, or specifically like garbage weeds. Huh. Um, gorse, gorse is a yellow-flowered shrub of the pea family, the leaves of which are modified to form spines native to Western Europe and North Africa. Is it spelled like force, or is it spelled G-O-R-S-E. in some weird way? G-O-R-S-E. Gorse. Oh, S-E. Okay. Yeah. G-O-R-S-E. Yeah, gorse. Um, a yellow-flowered shrub of the pe- Okay, so why in the world did you get come across this word? Um, I was watching some kind of um, War of the Worlds uh, remake oh, type thing. All, greater, all creatures great and small. No. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, and, War uh, of the Worlds. Okay. And the British artilleryman character goes, there's all that gorse in the way. <laughs> I d- had no idea what he was talking about. So I looked it up and gorse, I guess, is this gross yellow plant that nobody likes. And uh, I guess it's really bad in New Zealand, too. Um, oh, okay. And it's 
kind of a slang term, I, I guess, for like things that are in like weeds and f- uh, foliage that's in the way. Uh, in popular culture, <laughs> its fla- its flammability rendered gorse symbolic as quickly flammable and quickly burning out. For example, Doyle, in his book Sir Nigel, has <laughs> Sir John Chandos say, they, they flare up like a furze bush in the flames, but if for a short space you may abide the heat of it, then there is a chance that it may be cooler. If the Welsh be like the furs fire, then pardu, the Scotch are the peat, and for they will smolder, and you will never come to the end of them. It didn't use the fucking word at all, buddy. Why is that a quote that's relevant? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, In many parts of Britain, especially Devon and Cornwall, where it is particularly prevalent on the moors, the expression... Kissings out of fashion when the gorse is out of blossom is a traditional jest as common gorse is thought to be always in bloom. Gorse, or rather furs, okay, furs is gorse. Fuck it, England. Uh, (laughs) Or rather, furs is, as it was usually known in the West Country, sprigs were a traditional May Day gift between young lovers in the region where, in fact, the blossom is at its peak. Okay, yeah, yeah, some traditional UK bullpucky and it was just, just a bunch of nonsense words piled yeah. together with hedgerow hedgerows and uh mustaches so yeah in, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah in new zealand if somebody's like not paying for their drink or being a mooch at a bar or something i guess you could say they have a gorse pocket okay well <laughs> there's, really glad that we caught on that one yeah, uh didn't want you guys earth. to go any more days without that Incredible piece of uh, vocabulary. Wow. <laughs> what a, I, yeah, didn't, I think you're, you're about, how many of these we've had? You're about four for five on completely stumping me. Yeah. Which for me, I, which is saying something, I'm not necessarily going to sing my praises on that many things, but I do know a lot of fucking words. Yeah. Um, well, I did caracol, and, uh, jactitation. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think one of these. I think maybe one of these I knew, uh, but otherwise, quincunts. You're, yeah. Quincunts I did not know quincunts. Well. Nope, yeah. I did not. I like quincunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was v- 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 villainous vocabulary. Okay, so I. Uh, I should, I don't have any, I don't have any Baroque narration to get us into my story, to my, uh, to my creature. I, um, I spent most of my time trying to get, to get right with the proper mythology. Cause I picked a, I, I picked a properly mythological, uh, subject for today. I'm doing, uh, one, uh, one big piece of, um, Debate about how to say this properly <laughs> is, is, is how to say it properly. Is it, there's uh, there, it, there's different ways. There's a couple of different spellings, but what I'm going to go with uh, for the, I'm going to try to stick to the rest of the episode. I'm not. I know I'm not going to succeed because if given the option, I will say any noun uh, five or six different ways. But what we're going to try <laughs> to go with is chimera. 
doing the chimera. Oh, the with chimera. A, with a hard A sound. Yeah. Um, I want to find... I want to find... Kimarstri. There is a if you try to make the do, the Google the Google man say it I mean yeah. or the Google oh, I, I was specifically there was a Google man um, who said it weird usually when you, um, you like okay let me see, let me see. Chimera my um, guy says it fine oh yeah he's now I don't I must have been on a different website because I swear <laughs> to you I'm so pissed off I'll have to find it and put it back into the show later <laughs> but there was a guy Chimera. That says Chimera. Yeah. Chimera. I'm like, nope. Literally wrong on half of the fucking syllables in the word, buddy. Chimera. Nobody says Chimera. It's not even it's not even Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins would say Chimera. Chimera. Yeah, no. But um so there are there are alter alternatively a couple of different spellings, one with an A to go with the E, kind of like Daemon, Demon style, or the Chimera makes more sense because sometimes there's an A there in front of that middle E. Uh, sometimes not. More often, particularly in the U.S., where we have the laziest spelling of any human being on the planet, it is C H I M E R A. But sometimes, going back, depending on what nation you're looking at, you'll get spellings with the A in the middle. Don't don't worry about it. Either way, I from different people, the the people with the most PhDs seem to say. Chimera, not Chimera. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go for that. But what the what the frig is this uh, Chimera? Um, it, it, according to Greek mythology, where uh, it originates, it was a monstrous, fire-breathing hybrid creature of Lycia in Asia Minor, which I should, which nowadays would be Turkey. Yeah. Um, composed <laughs> of the parts of more than one animal, it is usually depicted as a lion with a head of a goat protruding from its back and a tail that might end with a snake's head. So, yeah. Uh, your D and D portrayal is different. You'll have three heads yeah. coming out of the back, torso, front area, and in D&D one of them will be a dragon, but your traditional Greek one is yep. the the snake head is actually, its tail is a big, like, python-y snake. Yeah. Um, it is a it is a, most, for the most part, it, the front is and the, the most of the body is a lion with a lion's head, a female lion specifically, and out of the middle of the back, for some fucking reason, is just straight up a goat. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> and depending on different versions that you that you will get out of different national mythologies or cultural mythologies, um, all of the heads will be able to breathe fire, or perhaps only one of the heads. Yeah. So in in Dungeons and Dragons, which is of course not you know it's more of a um, it's a it's a it's different than a mythology. So but it's a different mythology, a modern culturally constructed mythology by a bunch of nerds, which, you know, you could argue whether that's the same or different from ancient mythologies, but um, the the third head will be a dragon head, and depending on what kind of dragon it is, it will that will have a breath weapon appropriate to that kind of dragon. We'll go yeah. into that later. But traditionally, the Greek monster is a, uh, it's a, it's a, perhaps the most bizarre hybrid creature of that era and layer of ancient Greek monsters. So um, I, I find that I 
it's it's it was a good one for me because I had a a quilt of um, of different patchy pieces of knowledge that I thought I had in my head from various books I read when I was a kid about what the fuck is going on with this monster? And why <laughs> is it so stupid and nonsensical? Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't dislike the chimera. But if you it, it really helps to contextualize it within Greek mythology. And uh, which causes it to make sense because it really does not make sense as a D and D creature. Um, it is. It. I think it. it I mean, it, it is, in the sense that like a D and D creature usually should have just a, a, a kind of a logical, natural thrust as one thing. Like, hey, it's a big uh, water snake thing, or yeah. oh my, oh my god, it's a it's a shambling yeah. pile of crap that eats stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like D and D like to make like physical threats out of like old conceptual mythology that probably meant like a lot of different tribes attacking a specific civilization. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's really interesting that you should say that because uh, what you just described actually jumps to like one of my end theories about what is up with the chimera. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's let, we'll we're we'll not going to jump right to that. I know you jumped. Yeah, the gun but like <laughs> no, that, no, that's good. That's actually a really um, uh, sharp observation, actually. But the, but okay. the so if we explain the origin of the chimera, it does fit into the co- the cosmology of the different. Um, Greek monsters, because uh, de- and and some of these will change the relationships family wise of who the chimera is. Re- chimera is re- God damn it, chimera is related to in different <laughs> ways depending on the telling. Some will say that it is the uh, that she the chimera is um, specifically female, and this is a consistent thing. It is a female creature. The lion is a female, and the creature as a whole is depicted as a she. So yeah. that's um, another interesting one where we. One of our monsters is uh, is a specifically non-masculine creature, and the but um, one of the non-debated for the most part uh, parts of the Chimera's origin is that it is the offspring of the two pretty much biggest, baddest. Uh, original top level monsters in Greek mythology the the, um, the 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 female monster being echidna who is it translates in Greek Greek to the she viper was a monster that was half woman and half snake who lived alone in a cave she was the mate of the fearsome monster Typhon and was the mother of many of the famous monsters in Greek myth, um, including, and depending on which version you listen to, sometimes this is different, but um, the uh, the siblings will in some versions be uh, both Sphinx and the Hydra. So um, <laughs> once you start putting together all these monsters, you've got Echidna is the mom, and then uh, the, the siblings, the children are the Hydra, the Sphinx and the uh, and and Our Lady here, the Chimera, and um, Echidna is like a big, massive, terrifying sort of snake monster. Sometimes, and there's a freaky way that a lot of these snake monsters are depicted as like each like it'll be a lady, a massive like 
like house sized lady up top, and then each leg will be its own colossally sized snake, yeah. um, with like a head where the foot of the lady would be. And I'm like, how how was that the way that you went with that? It's like yeah. one of those pictures. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those pictures are like if do, if a dog wore pants, would it be like this or like this? And yeah. in every case with these Greek mix, mi- myths, the one that you would pick, not the one that they pick. You're like if a lady was a, a half snake, half lady, how would you draw it? And I'm like, you picked something that wasn't even on the fucking chart, man. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And she's sitting down and she has giant legs that go off in different directions and each of them is a colossal snake with a, like a head for a foot. No, yeah. nobody, nobody <laughs> picked that. Nobody. Um... <laughs> So, so that's a kid. I have a theory that Greeks um, sculpted things before they drew them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is like one of the things about that sculpt, that style of doing it is it it will, it is easier to build it. You know, I mean, like if like, you know, I mean, all you have to do is go back to your original Serpentor G.I. Joe like figure and be like, you know, motherfucker's real scary, but he don't stand up. It's like that's the main thing. It's the main thing about him. Like he's he's a really cool figure, but you got to like have him in your hand or stick him in some kind of like weird chaise lounge position because like he dude don't stand like a (laughs) like snake lower body is not a uh, not it's not very poseable. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get why they would do it like that. Be like, we can't make us like a sculpture out of this lady if she just got a snake like coming out for for a body. She's going to fly. Right over the first, you know, the first, the first barbarian that comes in here with like a feather is going to knock her over. She's going to be gone. So, um, in a practical way, I can see that. But so, so that's Echidna. Um, you know, she's uh, she, she's um, described as a half beautiful maiden, half fearsome snake. The the god the fierce goddess Echidna, a flesh eating monster that was both uh, both a monster and irresistible. Uh, who was was neither of mortal men nor the undying gods? She was uh, half a nymph, and with with glancing eyes and fair cheeks, and half again a huge snake, great and awful, with speckled skin. So she's kind of a bizarre uh, abomination of, of feminine qualities and these monstrous snake qualities. But um, she doesn't have. She's not as you know, given the intense sexism, you know, her, her pages in the mythological websites are very brief compared to her, her dude, Typhon. Um, and if you, if you look up Typhon, I want to, I want to send you, can you just go to the, the Wikipedia for Typhon? Can you do that? T Y P H O N. And then uh, at the very top of it, there is a, um, there's like a depiction. We don't want to look at that one. The second photo, if you go down to the mythology and birth section, yeah. is a de- depiction by Wincius Huller. Huller. Yeah, you click on that old print, and yeah. I like that one. It's kind of like Doctor Who meets. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of. No, it's kind of Doctor Seuss. Meets uh, either like Stephen Courage King, the cowardly dog. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a great horror. But you also have to imagine that he is placed there. He is meant to. He is described as being um, absolutely colossal in scale, so that yeah. his head scra- scraped the stars or scraped the clouds. For yeah. the, like he was. He's a colossal monstrosity. 
composed of hundreds, if not thousands or more snakes, snakes for fingers, snakes for legs, snakes coming out of his shoulders to form his head. Um, And and so you're going to really quickly start to pick up on the trend that the Greeks fucking hate snakes. They like all like snakiness is one of the two main properties that make up what is awful about these monsters um, yeah. <laughs> of all of the of all of the immediate family, the Sphinx is the only one that's not snaky. Um, and if you if you look at the qualities that the Greeks combine uh, to to in to create these monsters, you mostly you have you have snakiness, which seems like a weird verb or a weird uh, a weird adjective, and then you've yeah. got. Um, and then you've got plurality or or basically like hybridism you've got combinations for the for some reason the combining different things is is extra monstrous yeah. and uh, also that um, in it that in addition to just combining things um, combining things that really don't seem to match but also lending into a plurality. So many things uh, apparently is worse than a single thing because yeah. what Typhon is is he is he's all of these. He's he's a, he's a he's a plurality of horrible snakes and a combination of a man and these snake monsters. So he's got yeah. he's got the whole show and that's how he is able to embody the the true um, abomination uh, of the Greek of the Greek pantheon. I'm kind of wondering um, if if the way that they approach this, like uh, multiple things to make one, if if they considered that they could take several aspects from different threatening animals and concepts, and then uh, f- draw or sculpt or form what they think that would look like. And then decided, mm-hmm. like, um, it's just scarier if you just slap on parts uh-huh. instead of just, like, try to make your own interpretation. I wonder, like, which one came first, like, slapping on parts or <laughs> or just, like, a, an obs- obscure representation of what they think it would be. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I have it's a... It's hard to I tell. A, I don't know. I wasn't back then. I mean, I was, yeah, know. I mean, I have a feeling that visual rep- representations can... I mean, when you think about <laughs> antiquity and you think about how human civilization develops ideas, <laughs> you're going to start with a story. Uh, you're going to start with the oral tradition, even in a culture that, for the time, is as advanced as the Greeks compared to everybody else. You're going to start with stories that people tell, and you're like, he's as he's taller than the sky, and he's made of a billion snakes, where you yeah. have things that are e- more easily s- described than depicted visually. Where you're like, he's a colossal snake monster of un- incomprehensible <laughs> yeah. nightmarishness. Like, that's great to talk about. I mean, that's, yeah. it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense, you know, like, a, as the crisis that we have with the Uncanny Valley of trying to show things that have been described in, in stories, specifically in literature for decades, where finally yeah. we're getting to a level of CGI where really monstrous, it, impossible to previously depict things are consistently being put onto film. Yeah. Um, we're we're conquering a lot of the uncanny valley like year by year with human technology, but it, it makes more sense that like 
well, nobody's ever going to have to draw this. Like, I just yeah. got to make it sound really scary across the bonfire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and he's just a giant, he's a pile of snakes and he's a man and he's made out of shadows and death. Yeah. Like, like, don't, and like, got a don't think about it too hard. And then, yeah. and then somebody's like, ah, oh, shit, I got to make a statue of this fucking thing. Uh, yeah. You know, but that doesn't happen for another, you know, 200 years or whatever. But, um, so, so Typhon, he is, he is the, he is, uh, like, Typhon is, he's the son of two primordial entities that are, that are even older and more powerful than the Titans, that he's the son of Gaia, who is the the entity that represents the earth itself and Tartarus, yeah. Who is another? Who is another? Like pre? It's like a really a conceptual entity, yeah. and uh, he loses the great battle against Zeus. Zeus is able to summon his, the his his beefiest move of of blasting him with lightning and then just throwing them him from Mount Olympus, and permanently casting Typhon and his. Um, his immediate family into this cave where they live for, you know, maybe decades, maybe centuries, depending. And then, um, depending on different stories in the Iliad and in other depictions, um, it's actually the chimera. She is able to suddenly discover her fire breath to light up the cave that the whole family has been stuck in for an aeon or however long and (laughs) find a crack and she is able to wiggle and struggle into the crack and break it open enough with her various heads to punch through and escape. And yeah. it, 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 is, it is in this, this story where she goes finally to Lycia, which was a real place in Turkey. And uh, it is thought that the reason that Lycia is associated with um, Chim- Chimera is that Lycia actually has a, a mountain that is covered in uh, half a dozen to a dozen active, um, like, uh, open, nonstop flames, like flame geysers. They're not massive, but the the, the mountain literally burns from a natural gas that pours out of its its surface. And so the, the Lycia was associated with Chimera, and who knows if it's a chicken or egg thing where they came up with the monster because they wanted to have a cool story about the mountain, or, you know, but... Uh, the point is that it's associated with this this f- real flaming mountain in what is now Turkey, and then the 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 main story about Chimera is that she goes and she's ha- she's like now that she's escaped after this incredible misery of being in, in trapped and enslaved with her family in this cave. She's like rocking out. She's eating people. She's eating sheep. She's kills everybody in this town yeah. so that there's basically nothing there. All the villages are all burnt down to nothing. Um, that various monsters or, or uh, various heroes are sent to defeat her. And they're all just like, they all get destroyed because uh, one of her heads or all of her heads, depending breathes fire and she's like well I can fly because I got wings and I shoot <laughs> fire and go, go fuck yourself so she's like <laughs> got a place to live she's doing her thing she's eating sheep she's eating people she's loving them she's loving life living laughing loving it in Lycia oh man yeah. I did that all that didn't do that on purpose that was that was excellent live laugh <laughs> love in Lycia did you notice anything weird a minute ago oh yeah that's where uh, Xanthos is okay is it yeah that's cool. 
Did not know that. Chimera is, she's partying it out. She's living her best life in Lycia. And, um, you know, some Greek hero dude, of course, has to come fuck their shit up. Because ultimately, the the Greek... The Greek stories are about um, the noble singular hero who goes and destroys the horrifying monster that's that's plaguing <laughs> yeah. the people. That's it's all it, the pattern. Very rarely deviates. So, can I make a suggestion that doesn't involve violence, or is this the wrong crowd? The character that we have in this case, our hero is Bel- Bel- Bellerophon. It's spelled yeah. Bellerophon, but I don't know that I, I want to make. I, I'm going to say it wrong. If I spell if I say it wrong, just deal with it, everybody. I am to misbehave. But um, Bellerophon, he's in the he's in the court of a of a, a king that lives in the Lycia. Governs the whole Lycia area. <laughs> he's sent there by. Um, the, the father, another king or noble, nobleman of the, the country where Bellerophon comes from. And he's sent there with a message. Bellerophon doesn't see the message. He just takes the message with him to the king of Lycia. And he's partying there with the king. The king loves him. He's like, this dude's freaking hilarious. He's like, he, he likes to party. He's into hot. He's into hot chicks. He's great. He's uh, like he's real. He's a real good Greek. I'm 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 loving him. I'm loving life. And they're hanging <laughs> out. And he opens the note. And the note from from the king that sent him is like, okay, so Bellerophon is uh, a terror. He's terrible. He's a cad. He was he was ba- he was banging yeah. my daughter and caused all sorts of dishonor to my house. I have uh, it is your job to have him killed. You got to kill him. You're in a lot of trouble, Mister. Uh, and he's like, oh <laughs> man, this is the worst possible situation. So he's a smart king, and he's like, all right, all right, I got it, I got it, I got I got a two two yeah. two birds one stone problem. Because here's what's here's what's yeah. up, Bellerophon. I'm having such a good time with you. You were such a terrifying and effective hero. You've put that. You've solved all sorts of problems in a heroic way for your king. I need you to help me with this <laughs> thing. I got this monster, and uh, I, you know, I need you uh, to go kill this monster, <laughs> the Chimera, on this mountain. It's it's wrecking my whole shit. Can you do it? And he and Bellerophon, he's he's very confident. He's arrogant. He brags about his prowess with weapons and yada yada yada. So Bellerophon's like, "Yeah, bro, I'll totally <laughs> destroy that. I'll destroy that monster. I total. I got it. Don't worry." Yeah, well, I'll tell you, nobody handles garbage better than we do. But secretly, he's like, "I don't. That's a fire. It's it's like three headed fire breathing, like flying monstrosity. I don't know how to do this. I'm just some dude." I'm just some dude with a yeah. It's gonna be a you know what kind of three-headed fire-breathing monster problems I have. Um, <laughs> so he's secretly really worried this about is it. Be a problem. But the king's very happy because he's like, aha, you know, I, I've got around the loophole <laughs> of the uh, the the tradition of hosting because I've been hosting this dude. I can't execute him. It's against the rules of the gods. And if I if I break the the rules about hosting, the furies will come and you know rend me apart or whatever, whatever the Furies do when you break the rules of hosting. So he's like, ah, but if I don't execute him, if I send him to an impossible task, 
you know, uh, best of, you know, like, he'll go get eaten, and then I'm still down yeah. one problem out of two. So, no problem. Like, worst case scenario, it actually kills a monster, and I'm, like, down one monster. I'm still only one out of two problems. So, bam, nailed it. So, he sends him off, but Bellerophon doesn't immediately go. He gets, uh, he goes through this whole rigmarole where he eventually acquires the help of the Pegasus. I could get into the whole story of we could do that a separate time, but he goes and he sleeps in this hut and blah, 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 blah. And eventually there's a bunch of horses and Pegasus shows up, which is obviously a big, sweet uh, level 25 flying horse with big fly yeah. horse wings. So, bam, okay, I got... I think the Pegasus kicks yes. it. Yes, so he's, he's got the Pegasus, he's got, his, he's got his shield, he's got his Greek spear, he's got his cool armor. Um, and basically, he needed the reins to the Pegasus that magically allows him to control it and summons it. He's got the reins to Pegasus, bam, he's off to Lycia to go fight this monstrosity. And he goes to, he goes to Lycia... Um, and he, he flies over and Chimera's like, what the crap is this? There is a, another crappy ass hero, but this dude's on the Pegasus. That is some trash, but she's still not that worried about it. She's like, whatever you fly, I fly, but do you shoot fire? No. <laughs> I, so fuck y'all. I got this handled. I have two guns, one for each of you. She jumps up. Uh, b- breathes fire Bellerophon. He, ba- he barely, barely survives getting burnt in the first round. Uh, and he he pivots around. He, he goes down to the bottom of the mountain briefly, and she's like, ha ha, you can't do shit to me. I can fly. I shoot fire. Um, <laughs> so her arrogance is kind of out outstripping his arrogance. But what he does, like a lot of a lot of things in Greek stories, is he gets he gets tricky. So ultimately, the the story ends up being the intelligence of the singular Greek white hero dude, and I just say that for the you know un- contextualizing these stories that the Greeks are telling about themselves is the 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 great white the great white hope. Um, he goes down and he gets smart. Okay, and that's the way that it fits into other narratives about the 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 well-intentioned hero with the technology off on his own. The rugged individual will save us all to to show that how it transitions into our own modern prejudices about heroes. So he what he does is he tells Pegasus, "I got you. I need you to dip down, and this whole mountainside is is." Uh, raised and blazed out with with the scorching that Chimera has put all over it by by firing uh, its it, her victims all over the place. So that there is molten and and hard lead that's been created by the alchemy of her fire all over this mountainside. So as Pegasus dips down and slaps off of the ground just close enough for him to grab some lead off of the mountain, Chimera's like, what is this damn fool up to? Whatever, I shoot fire, not stressing it. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? And what he does is he takes some of this lead and jams it on the end of his spear um, as he goes in to attack Chimera. Chimera comes up. They, they do a head-on, like, game of chicken. He throws the spear. Her uh, breath weapon, 
the the flame hits the spear and she's like whatever dumb spear but the lead melts as she swallows the spear the lead kind of t1000s in her throat choking her out she dies ba bam bam <laughs> hero wins hasta la vista baby um so that is the story of how bellerophon um conquers uh, the Chimera, and in and historically, and the, the way this is understood for what what job the legend of um, Chimera was doing was taking Chimera as standing in for the Bronze Age anxiety about the newest, hottest technology of the Bronze Age, using fire as a as a as a technology source. Uh, doing smelting, <laughs> doing metallurgy, creating all of that sweet-ass stuff you can do with fire if you turn it into a regulated technology, which at the time was, like, hot shit, literally. Yeah. Um, well, the bronze still need to be tied. Yeah, so it was, it, it is, it's understood <laughs> to be, whether they knew it or not, uh, a cultural allegory to wrap up the anxieties about fear and that that... Bellerophon stood in as the um, reliable blacksmith or alchemist or metallurgist who could be trusted to use fire in a, in a safe way that would not destroy your civilization. And that Chimera on the yeah. other side was the raw, unfettered power and of, of fire as a, as a danger and a malicious force that human beings would have experienced it for basically all of, of history up until that point. So it is a, it is an incredibly important and powerful human cultural analogy, and that's kind of what's up. And, but it is a it's another reification of the the Greek myth that the the good handsome noble hero who is uh, beautiful and valiant and courageous and all of the Greek virtues goes in and is intelligent enough to 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 use a little piece of technology to defeat the the brutal animalistic monster who is who is of a, a lesser uh, intellect and is, is represents the the dangers of natural forces um, so uh, but if I if I take my own take on it and I and I, 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 I see that these this these consistent through lines of the Greek heroes and the monsters that they defeat and the manner in which they defeat them, um, when we look at like Typhon and Echidna and the Sphinx and 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 the Hydra, and these these different components that they have that they have they're snaky that's one, and uh, they're they're hybrids a lot of them are hybrids and the ones that are, aren't hybrids if they're not a hybrid they're a plurality the Hydra is a pile of big snakes the the <laughs> you know bo- both Echidna and Typhon are a plurality of snakes that. The things that the Greeks are fearing, the attributes that are consistent among these creatures, are basically um, plurality, multiplicity, multiculturalism. That the that they're uh, you know that they represent fears of cultures that are going to come in and destroy this singular, superior to their way of thinking civilization represented by the hero. Um, that they're worried about nations like the Assyrians, like the Persians, like the, these various threats to their uh, to their very existence. And the best way to encapsulate them in monsters is that are big pluralistic hybrid snake things. 
And yeah. the, the Chimera makes sense within that concept because, like Typhon, it is all of those things. It's got some snakiness. She's got yeah. some. She's very. She, if anything, is the most pluralistic. And that you've got this. You've got three things that really shouldn't go together. It's a. It's a Neapolitan ice cream of different creatures. You're gonna. Uh, uh, you, you know, if you're like, hey, let's make a let's make a monster, Gavin. We're going to start out with something scary as fuck. Okay, um, lion. lion. Right, big, scary, loud, yeah. king of the jungle, giant fangs, tears shit up. Awesome, great start. All right, well, what are we going to go with second? What's what can we add to a lion to make it even worse? You tell me. Throw, I hate throw. snakes. Great. <laughs> Here in Greece, <laughs> fucking hate snakes. Yeah. Fuck snakes, burn them, eat them, throw them in the ocean. Snakes suck. You're walking through the forest. It's it's You're trying to take a dump at night. Blammo, some fucking asp, some viper gets you on the leg. You're donezo. You're out of here. We don't have modern medicine. Fuck, fuck snakes. They're the worst. Like 17 of my relatives killed by snakes. It's like, it's just <laughs> like, why, why, why does it have to be Greece? Um, so... <laughs> Uh, snakes. You got a you lion combined with a snake. I'm also I'm so terrified. I don't know how we're gonna make it work. We're gonna have to make some blueprints. It's very confusing. All right. Wait. We, how about a goat? Wait. What did you say? Do a goat. You said a goat, like G O A T, like. Yeah, like a goat. Like, not a ram, but like with the eyes on the side of his head and like the that like a yeah, goat. Yeah, just a goat. I mean, I. Okay, all right. Okay, so we had we started with lion, and I'm like, okay, pretty fucking scary. Yeah, lion sounds good. Uh, <laughs> next we go to we're gonna, gonna put a snake on the lion. I'm like yes. double terrified. Snakes. Everybody's everybody's got snake problems. Goat. But why a goat? Don't you want some my goat? <laughs> I, I just don't get. I, I don't get, don't get the goat. Like I do, There's no. I'm sure somebody somebody who with a with a real academic purview of why a goat and its symbolism in the Greek culture. I'm sure it was a very. I'm sure it was a herd animal. You know, they were eating the goats. The goats was, you know, they were they were crazy for the mutton. It was something that they had a relationship with. But snake, scary as fuck. Lion, scary as fuck. You know what else we're going to do? Put some wings on that shit. I'm terrified. You know what else we're going to do? It can shoot fire. All, bam, 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 bam. Scary, 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 scary. <laughs> then goat head in the middle. Why? You could have just scrubbed that out. It doesn't, <laughs> like, everything else is like, damn, that's a weird, slightly confusing, scary-ass thing that kind of makes sense. With a goddamn well, goat on top. It's a hat on top of a hat on top of a hat on top of a hat. And, like, also, most of those hats, they're, like, cool shits. They're, like, top hats. They're, like, bowlers. <laughs> and then the last one is just, like, one of those, like, purple and like purple and black jester's hat that like a skull wears on a bong that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't mind me I'm scary as hell I'm bong you smoking goat, goat? Like, damn it goat well, like you just I don't can, do it kind of explain it goats were paired with like sheep mm-hmm. and sheep are way more have way more resources than them. You can eat sheep. You can get wool from sheep. You can herd sheep all day long. Mm-hmm. Like it gives you something to do. Even um, and goats are have like less resources in them and are kind yeah. of seen like like um, 
I don't know. If all you do is agriculture and like livestock all day, yeah. and you have to deal with fucking goats. Yeah, like that, who, that, that, that are less than sheep. Yeah, that that <laughs> part I that sheep. part I get is you know yeah. is the the bifurcation uh, in terms of animals that you can have around and raise of sheep versus yeah. goats is like I can have you know in, in terms of. We're doing, you know, we're agrarian. We've got ranches. We've got farms. I got all these these fucking sheep. They're useful as hell. I got wool off of them. I can eat them. It's, yeah. They're amazing. Goats. I mean, you can't eat them, but they're annoying and they're inconvenient. They got weird fish eye head things on them, and they're like, they, you know, they're yeah. just. So I get it. You, the the goat is the evil sheep. I get it. Um, but it's just not like malevolent enough. It's just too fucking derpy. <laughs> to, to, to it's it does not you know it's like if if you take your chimera you know maybe your lion is is voice acted by J- Jeremy Irons and, yeah. and 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 then the head of the snake I don't know who could the snake be the snake could be anybody anybody scary could be anybody the snake could be a snake. Alan Rickman could be your snake or somebody yeah. why not. Axis. Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. And then, but then you're good. Jeremy Irons and Alan Rickman. Yeah, I mean, off. you still be a virgin. No, you never get laid on your own. Yeah, your 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 goat at at, at best <laughs> is gonna Alan be. Oh, I'm trying to think of somebody. Jeremy Irons is the goat. <laughs> but so you, I don't. Your goat is uh, gonna be old. What's his name? You know the goat from the uh, you know the, uh, the really hilarious actor that everybody loves who did the CDs in the '90s from SNL and the the Lunch Lady. Why well, can't I remember Adam his name? Adam Sandler. Yeah, and so then and then you've got <laughs> yeah, Adam Sandler as the damn Jer- goat. No, that's perfect. That's the perfect representation of a chimera. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, Alan, Alan Rickman, Rickman, and, and Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. Yeah. Did you hear that? This girl wants to make out with me in the middle of class? You got chlorophyll man up there talking about God knows what. All she's talking about is making out with me. I'm here to learn, everybody, not to make out with you. Go on with the chlorophyll. <laughs> it's the, you know, the, the, All together in Monster Trio. <laughs> yeah, this. <laughs> <laughs> Go get him, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill you if I could. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, to us, just culturally, it, it just hits a really weird note. So I, I love, now that I, now that I can, context, context, bleh, now that I am able to contextualize the chimera, <laughs> I love her. She's great. She's living her best life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we've escaped our first menace, dear readers, we invite you into the apothecary, that den of rare and obscure balms, salves, powders, and oils derived from the exotic serpents, clattering critters, and acrid arachnids, where we do our most shadowy machinations. Our friend Jeremy keeps dying in the dark putrid dungeons one player character after the next, like moths to the flame, whether it's crushed by a cyclops, didn't get his mage armor up in time, or was incinerated by his own divine light, Jeremy finds a way for his piss wizard to perish in the first round of combat. So here we are to ask you to open your coin purses, help pitch in just a bit to defray the massive cost of all these dang healing potions we need to keep Jeremy crawling through the dungeons. 
If you want to support the show on an ongoing basis, you can check us out at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. That's oops with two O's. Or you can make a one-time contribution to the Apothecary's Health Potions for Jeremy Fund, which at most levels will get you a shout-out at the top of the show, if you're into that. If you're not, we can give you a sweet and scary pseudonym to keep your dark business under wraps. So you can toss a coin to us at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Again, that's paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. And in every case... Oops is with two O's and no punctuation, just like Tiamat intended. Hi there. My name is Douglas Raffensperger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas and Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a cutlass for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Even even though the goat is, uh, you know, it's not it's not the goat, so to speak. It is a, it is it's a weird, strange note in the chord of um, of this monster. But I still love the chimera. It is it, it's it's or origins in the Greek myths in the pantheon of of true monstrosities makes it make sense. Uh, but let's go over to um, let's do let's do let's do the crunch time for the the chimera. Okay. And this is crunch time. Thank you. DMs, GMs, PCs, peanuts out there that want to get into the down and dirty game math that pertains to our monsters. They appear one to four. Their armor class is six for the lion, five for the... No, wait. God, the they couldn't even a... give the thing one goddamn AC. Just I know, that's how complicated D&D. it is. Uh, yeah. It... <laughs> the goat is AC six, <laughs> the dragon is AC two, and the lion is AC five. Right. Um, so, uh, we're both looking at the AD&D version. It is a large, chaotic, evil monster. It's got chaotic a, evil. It's got a very, I think it's chaotic evil in all of these versions. 
Um, yeah. And in this depiction, it's got dragon wings and a red dragon head coming out of one side. And the opposite yeah. side is this just like a fucking black goat head sticking out of the mane of this dragon. Uh, or the mane yeah. of this lion. And the rest of it is, it's all lion. It's, li- it's, li- it's a lion with extra parts, as is often the case. The, the tail yeah. is not necessarily um, integrated in any particular way. It's just a, got a dragon's tail, presumably. Uh, it's a large, chaotic, evil creature with dark vision, low light. It flies. It's an omnivore. It speaks. Uh, and, and most of these things are consistent throughout the different editions. It speaks common and draconic, but rather it doesn't speak it. It understands, but it doesn't speak, which is uh, not, yeah. not that common in creatures in D&D. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, confusing and terrifying and, and fairly dangerous. Um, yeah. The, uh, the, and, and fairly consistently, it will have a breath weapon. That the most typical version of the dragon is, uh, is a red dragon, but you can make it a different color dragon if you want and then give it a breath weapon that is commensurate with which, which, uh, whichever kind of dragon it is. Um, yeah. There are some alternative versions. There's the Dracomera, a hybrid of an evil dragon and a chimera, which uh, while there are wild Dracomeras, some are pur- purposely bred by the cult of the dragon. There's the Gorgomera, which is a variant Gorgomera. Um, with the hindquarters and third head of a gorgon instead of a goat. The Gorgomera's gorgon <laughs> head likewise has their respective breath weapon, so you're probably talking... Um, petrifying gaze there and the Cormanthor chimera um, were nomadic (laughs) rather than territorial and as a result had a beneficial impact upon the ecology choosing to prey on weakened or sick sick animals all over the forest so actually kind of a like um, uh, I don't know a a pruning rangery kind of uh, roaming chimera that actually benefits the landscape so um, yeah, it's a big, it's a big, scary three-headed monstrosity thing. And if you look at it, 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 it exists in each of the five editions. It's in one, one yeah. advanced, three, four, and five. Um, in the original black and white um, illustration for first edition, it's uh, basically the same thing: three heads up front with dragon wings. The the, the dragon head is depicted sh- shooting its breath weapon. Um, and the 2E version, the advanced version we just talked about, 3 starts to get like a real bitchin' looking version where everything's just like, um, like, yeah. like sharp as fuck. And there's more yeah. specifically a gender or sex um, accurate depiction of the female lion head of being without a mane. So um, yeah. early on in a, a lot of iterations, although the creature is specifically female, they will have the the mane on the lion, which is generally in actual lions, only in men. So in the third edition one, they've got a, a gender-accurate, hyper-quote-unquote realistic version with <laughs> um, also a specifically female lion head in the middle, but otherwise things are basically the same, but it's uber scary. Fourth edition is kind of more of a jump back to um, totally nutso nightmare, but they all look scarier because the dragon and the, the lion have glowing white eyes and the goat looks pretty fucking demonic because um, everything yeah. in every third everything in third and fourth was just like uh, balls to the walls and then now in our current edition fifth edition it's kind of more traditional but um, nothing's really changed dragon tail dragon wings dragon one head um, lions with a lion mane with a lion with a mane in the middle 
And uh, just a derpy looking goat, like screaming, like, "Hey, come back here!" <laughs> on, on, the, on, the, on the other side. So, um, yeah, that's that's your chimera. It's yeah. A, if I were to fit it somewhere, I would put it where it's like the objective of like a third level quest. Like the third level quest is the chimera. Yeah, it's so it's so stand out. It kind of like yeah. I don't know. It doesn't really for me. Flavor-wise, it doesn't make sense to just like plop one in there. Like it should be, yeah. it should be the end. It should be the end of a quest, or it should be um, the subject of a very peculiar side quest, or you know, yeah. um, I don't know. It's because of the interesting combination of things that it is. It would be interesting if like you had to, like if you had to find a way to get some piece of knowledge from the Chimera because. They do. They, yeah. They're intelligent enough to have the understanding of a couple of languages. So I think, like maybe yeah. if one of the personalities was like agreeable to um, negotiate with, and you had to get some kind of information or some kind of artifact from <laughs> the Chimera, but two of the heads just fucking hated you. I think. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. I think there's. A, I think there's an interesting way to use its bizarre flavor text and its bizarre depiction um, in a way that actually does um, contribute to a D&D game or another another kind of game. So I, I as, yeah. as much as I find it to be a very odd um, uh, gaming monster because Greek myths are just just very, very awkward um, in our in our D and D mythology and, and modern gaming mythology, I think I think there's you know now that I understand a little bit, I think I'd be more likely to throw it in a game as uh, either an end beast or a weird side quest or a very particular difficult challenge in the middle of a some kind of quest. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, any other thoughts on that before we get get out of this one? Um. Well. Yeah. The. Uh Remember the awful White Wolf game we used to play called Vampire the Masquerade? <laughs> yeah, which has a um, which has a a new and thriving edition that's coming out in in the modern era. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a totally new huh. revamping of um, the the primary White Wolf games. Uh, uh, where uh, Werewolf, um, Vampire, yeah. and I think Mage. I think Mage also, but anyway, well, what, I'll what, be fucked. What, well, what remember the uh, <laughs> remember the uh, type of vampire I always played, the Ravnos. Yes, I do. Their um, their discipline was called Chimerstry. Oh, okay. which is based on the word Chimera because oh, okay. it was uh, illusion crafting. Right. Yeah, so they could make illusions with their chimerstry and um things like uh a lion with a goat sticking out of it like yeah right <laughs> uh yeah interesting and and that um and that how do i say that angle of the um the concept of the chimera relating to uh, obfuscation or swapping one thing out for the other in a in a um, either a magical or mechanical sleight of hand or one thing disguising yeah. itself as something else that has become the more yeah. 
broad cultural relationship that we have with the word and the term chimera because yeah that's what ch- i was going chi- to chimera yeah. does <laughs> reference there there is uh, the, the the term has come to mean in um, a broad sense that you know a liger is a chimera that if you uh, you know a, yeah. a mule is actually a chimera that if we take yeah. different breeds different um, different animals and are able to combine them either through you know technological alchemy or science or just just husbandry you're actually creating what are chimeras which is really just a hybridization of different animals different species um, yeah. and and that concept of hy- hybridizing uh, it loops back to the foundational sense of of these greek monstrosities uh, and also, it, it is it comes up culturally. The one reference that I would make is the season seven episode of the X Files, that is that is titled Chimera. Is really the the title is a reference to um, terrifying things hidden behind a vanilla suburban uh, reality. So. Yeah. yeah, culturally, the hybridization of things, the swapping out of one thing for another, the expecting to get one head and then all of a sudden you're fighting a goat or a dragon. Yeah, that that broader cultural understanding is is where the word has come in the subsequent centuries since it was not just just this scary <laughs> three headed monster. So, yes, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. It's also uh, an actual scientific term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. in genetics, an organism or tissue that contains at least two different sets of DNA, most often originating from the fusion of as many different zygotes, the term is derived from Chimera of Greek mythology, a fire-breathing monster that we just talked about. Yeah, chi- Chimerism or the, <laughs> the, um, the ethical problem of particularly creating human... Uh, human chimeras, or if you t- yeah. if you take uh, if you take non-human DNA and use it to you know I mean now that we have things like CRISPR and and mRNA and different uh, different yeah. science microtechnologies where we can alter the human being um, prior to inception or after it's born and infuse DNA from other creatures. Um, the ethical yeah. ramifications of creating human chimeras and non-human chimeras have a lot. Uh, it's a it's a big fat deal because like if you could, you know, even if you if you're a reasonable state actor uh, and you're gonna say like, oh, okay, well, what if we take a little bit of, I don't know what lemur or or um, you know a primate and a little bit of this yeah. DNA and add it, we can make sure that everybody is immune from HIV or immune from dysentery or <laughs> some kind of massive problem. You know that's a that's a very yeah. legitimate top shelf ethical problem. But then on the other end of it, you know you got the um, you've got the super serum problem where if you're North Korea or if you're um, some more kind of uh, off the rails state actor, and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> like, what if we make a what if we make a bunch of like tank girl, iced tea, jackalope, uh, like <laughs> like hybrid marsupial monster men? Like, what's up with that? What's up, bro? Like, yeah. you you thought you had us, but now we got now we got nukes and uh, and like hip hop <laughs> nars- marsupial rap stars. Yeah, we're much better in the dark, like uh, Count Chocula. Dracula, fool. Count Chocula's a guy in a laundry detergent box. <laughs> if I asked you something, I would... No, he is. He's right. 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 He's right.
Like, <laughs> chocolate is a guy from the laundry detergent box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, the the um, the the chimera problem in that broader um, scientific context con, con, context of just just taking that that idea that comes out of the the nightmare anxiety of being able to combine various creatures yeah. and co- <laughs> you know combine either non-humans or combine humans with non-humans um, you know that anxiety exists for good reason um, you know it, it, it depicts it, it comes out also in the overarching uh, non-monster of the week problem in uh, the X Files as well of you know the chimera of the 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 Greys the aliens uh, yeah. being combined with the human beings is you know it's one of those main MacGuffins about oh they're <laughs> ma-, you know and it, it's it's also a main anxiety in just ufology in general of they're coming down here to make hybrid hybridized versions of of me and my <laughs> wife. Um, with them, and that's why I've been able anal probe so much. Is they're going to make a version of me that's half aliens, and uh, you know, so that's a chimera, so, and <laughs> so it's an anxiety that has transitioned from antiquity into the modern age and into even our conspiracy or modern conspiracy theory. So. Yeah, it's a it is a concept yep. that we're very afraid of. I mean, you could even take some of your most terrifying monstrous concepts like the um the thing from the thing that yeah. I- I- in that way, the horrors That's of that of are really together. a yeah, they're a depiction of a chimera, something that is it's hidden and it's it's yeah. pluralistic and it's a hybrid and those yeah. those things are the most terrifying things about it it doesn't maybe it doesn't have an essential form maybe it's it's essential form is adaptation and transition um it's it's got every kind of threat so in that way yeah ultimately it's completely unknowable yeah it's 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 re it's reiterating terrifying concepts from a primordial um human fear of being able to combine things in a way that creates a uh, a, a, an anxiety, a, a taboo about things that should not be mixed. Don't get your peas in with your carrots. Yeah. Kind of stress, and uh, uh, so yeah, some of the, some of the most scary scary films are about um, a, a chimera like concept. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could say that Cronenberg's whole fucking shit is is chimeras, like Cronenberg. <laughs> uh, like yeah, like if you took if you took Cronenberg, um, if, if you took you know chimerism for I don't maybe we're coining a term I don't know but if you if you took the chimeric property away from Cronenberg he basically wouldn't have a career from 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 <laughs> movie movie one of uh, why am I not remember movie one isn't rabbit it's um it's slither and then from from slither to his most modern shit it's it is uh, combining things that that turn into a, a nightmarish uh, a body uh, personal atrocity, a, a, a mixture of things that shouldn't be. Okay. Slither's a Cronenberg movie? So there's two, there's Slithers and there's Slither. There's the James Gunn, oh. there's a James Gunn movie. Okay. From yeah. like 2000 or 2001. And there's the, this movie from the 70s called Slither. That is a, the first Cronenberg movie where technically he directed, but he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He was just a writer. 
And so the Canadian DP who was shooting it was just like, okay, now we put the camera over here and we do a two shot, and now we do the camera over here and we do a master. Like he had no idea what he was doing. He was just a guy with a okay. he was just a guy with a script about like a dick monster coming out of people's uh, arms. Um, oh, and yeah. So it is it is both the worst and the best Cronenberg movie because it is so totally essentially him. Um, and it takes place in this really bizarre little like bottle episode in the sense that all of it happens inside this ultra modern 1970s um, like uh, like a par- massive apartment complex building. So it is yeah. it, it's conceptually about the all mod cons uber uber new uber fresh uber hip uh like safe anodyne reality of 1970s canada and um and then the in that particular movie the the uh the like weird alien dick monster that comes out of the guy's uh, arm or it's i think it's, it's like his armpit yeah if i remember correctly um, it, 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 it basically, when it gets you, it turns you essentially into like an ecstasy fiend. Like you become really, <laughs> you become really horny and amorous and you want to just like get on with everybody you encounter. And so the, the end, it turns into it's like this just thrashing pool of like naked bodies in the communal swimming pool and the first floor of this ultra modern uh, like Cana- <laughs> Canadian uh, massive super apartment complex. So it's yeah. really like it is a precursor to the drug ecstasy as a like weird dick monster. So um, I, but I it swear everything I just said was true. It sounds like I'm making it up, <laughs> but I swear that's I what it was. Do you mean sh- shivers? Yes, I'm sorry. Shivers, shivers, shivers. shivers. Okay. I'm sorry. I did it. I, that's where I was wait, confused. Wait, am, am I wrong? Yeah, shivers. Yes, I'm, I apologize. It wasn't Slither. It was shivers. Well, uh, yeah, Slither. I should mention before I forget <laughs> that I am, um, when Slither 2006 by James Gunn, uh, came out. Um, yeah. I, I think it was on my Facebook page. I wrote an article on my fucking Facebook page. That's how high class I was about how yeah. Slither um, obviously relates and is referencing my favorite horror movie, um, Night of the Creeps. That is a yeah. Fred direct Fred Decker written and directed film about space slug monsters that turn pe- get into people's brains, turns them into zombies, their heads explode, more slugs come out, make more zombies. It's got some of the whole, most hilarious shit in it, like my dad and I's favorite line, um, the good news is your dates are here, the bad news is they're dead. It's just, yeah. it's like, I, just love that, <laughs> I just love that so much. Tom Atkins as the, uh, as the um, detective in that movie who answers the phone, thrill me. Uh, it's just like it's such yeah. a good Tom Atkins performance. Um, Russ, the the the, the weird looking ginger dude who's actually a really cool guy on Instagram now that played um, Russ in the National Lampoon's European Vacation. He's the main character. Yeah. He's got his best friend is a guy who's uh, uh, in. He's he's got some kind of. Um, physical disabilities where he's on crutches all the time and they're kind of like an awkward dynamic duo who end up having to battle these monsters. I won't spoil the rest of it for you. You've never seen it. Night of the Creeps. Absolutely. There's so much more than that. It's so there's, good. There's about three plot lines in there. I fucking very love well. Night of the Creeps. It's a, it's a, yeah. it is a parody of both the 1950s uh, horror films yes. 
and the 1980s films of what of which it technically is one. Um, yeah. So it is both. It's parodying it is, it's, its, its own time. It's parodying. While it's parodying its, its own genre yeah. while also parodying the '50s movies that it's reflecting. It's it yeah. is it is a really really a paragon of my favorite subgenre In- of movie, which is it's a horror movie that is pretending to be a stupid movie while actually being an incredibly intelligent movie. And it goes into science fiction also. Like the it starts with aliens. Yeah, it starts with these little like, it starts with what is obviously a little person in an incredibly elaborate alien suit like launching yeah. this in, this dangerous material out of its like out of its chute yeah. and then it just like flops down <laughs> into into uh, suburban US territory into and then the boom middle, into the middle of a serial killing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 it sounds it sounds like all of this is not going to make sense, but it the the, it the script it's actually the script actually it's like I don't know it's like Lego the script is like a Lego version of a Frank Lloyd Wright house. It's like it should not hold itself together looking at it from the outside, but then once you get in and see how the cantilever system is working, you're like, oh, this is fucking genius. Yeah. So Night of the Creeps, if you've yeah. ever seen it, uh, top. Top three recommendation from uh, from Oops All Monsters. Absolutely incredible. But yeah, um, it's it's in my top ten favorite monster movies. Yeah, but when when Slither two thousand six <laughs> by James Gunn came out, and he was not really a director. This was his. This was him directing basically for the first time. It was his directorial debut. Yeah. I. Um, I wrote this article about how it was clearly so in, obviously inspired by Night of the Creeps by Fred Decker, and I felt that my yeah. points were very intelligently made. And it wasn't hating on <laughs> Slither. I really, really liked Slither. I was already a big yeah, Nathan Slither's Fillion. Slither's also awesome. I was all, yeah. already a really a big Nathan Fillion fan. I thought the script fucking crushed. Yeah. I thought that the monsters were terrifying. I thought that the 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 body horror aspect was absolutely out the door. It was absolutely scary as fuck. And the, and the, yeah, the, the thing the, about that movie that catapulted it, it, it into like me loving it so damn much is the accuracy of the grenade exploding in the pool. Oh Maybe yeah, fall the, in love with it. Boosh, yeah, yeah, right. Where there, it wasn't. Yeah, no, yeah, no. That was that's fantastic. Um, and and also um, Michael Rooker as the baddie. Yeah, like, Michael Rooker. Michael is Rooker awesome. is such. A pinnacle um, villain. I'm man popping, y'all. For going going all the way back to his early stuff in the '70s, he's so good at being scary to to the garden to the you know the blue guy in Guardians of the Galaxy with the whistle yeah. power. Like he's just inherently a scary fucking yeah. guy. He's in Tombstone. Yes. <laughs> Very cosmopolitan. Yes, Michael Rooker is scary as shit. Um, he's really good. The whole cast is really good. It's directed really intelligently. Nathan Fillion is a perfect um, straight man combination straight man and and comic relief. Like it's a perfect use of Nathan yeah. Fillion. Elizabeth Banks, who yes. I love. Uh, yeah, incredible. Just slither rules. But I, so and and I, after I wrote it, and I didn't have the intention when I wrote it. That five minutes later, I was like, you know what? Nobody fucking knows who this James Gunn guy is. Like he used to work for like Troma. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna bet. I bet <laughs> yeah. he has an email that I can find. It's 2006, and I and yeah. like a quick Google. I found his goddamn email, and so I said like, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I I tapped out like, hey, I just wrote this thing about how your movie was, you know, obviously inspired by Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps. 
Um, yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Bam, sent it out to him that evening. I remember I was working at the pool hall when I wrote this. This is how hard I worked at the pool hall. And uh, yeah. so I, I, I sent it to him. And uh, I swear to God, the next morning at like 8 a.m., he gave me a response of like four or five lines being like, you know what? I really appreciate that observation, because, uh, but I actually haven't seen Night of the Creeps. But a number, a number of people have brought that to me saying how close they are. And I just got, I got to say it must be a case of um, similar, similar inspirations leading to the same place. And let me tell you, if I thought he was full of shit, uh, readers, I would tell you I thought he was full of shit. This is not a, an instance of me being starstruck. If I thought he was full of crap, I would tell you. Could you shut up? But I think he's an intelligent enough person, and he's not full of crap. I think that James Gunn was completely being straight with me. Sometimes you have yeah. parallel thinking, sometimes at the same time, yeah. sometimes decades apart. And I think he had a yeah. lot of very similar ideas that are uh, essentially terrifying concepts that of, of having your body invaded by parasites. Of, yeah, of your- I've, I made a joke for years about shoving food up my butt and pooping out of my mouth. <laughs> whole South Park episode about it, like in the height of whenever I was telling that joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people have the, this 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 parallel thinking all the time. There's only so many ideas. The collective unconsciousness is probably real, et cetera, et cetera. Henry Henry, <laughs> yeah. Henry Zabrowski like rant here. Uh, so, um, yeah, almost certainly he he had very similar ideas and inspirations. He came to the same point. But I'm appreciative of James Gunn for being a, a cool person who replied to an email from some totally random dude who wrote a Facebook article in 2006 about the movie he had just created. And he was yeah. reasonable and down-to-earth and seemed like a, a totally cool person. So um, a thumbs up to James Gunn and Slither, it rules. Thumbs up to Fred Decker <laughs> uh, in, in a relatively unrelated Night of the Creeps, one of the best, most scary movies of all time. Both examples of, so, uh, of things that we're talking about with my monster is their elements of, of chimerism or a chimeric yeah. monster that is trans and, that is transforming, that is tricking you, that's taking over your body. And the goat in those movies would be James Conn Slither just kind of slapped <laughs> on there. <laughs> like, it's like, hey, I'm a... Like, where did this come from? There's also a Peter Boyle and James hey, Conn movie. Hey, I'm in a heist. <laughs> I'm James Conn. I'm heisting hey, some I'm stuff. Hey, I'm in a heist. What? Hey, look how broad my shoulders are. I'm James Conn. I'm going to heist some stuff. Uh, yeah. X-Con James Conn <laughs> plays X-Con. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I in October, in October, depending on how we figure out how we do, um, you know, we've decided that in October is going to be the the period where we're going to take the chain off of the dog in terms of what our content can be. That basically for right. October we can do any anything can be a monster in October. It can be, you know, or whether it's a person, whether it's a concept. You know, so if I, if I want to bring, I don't know, civ, you know, society from Rollerball starring yeah. James Caan, that can be a monster yeah. or whatever. Like, I, you know, so, um, you know, we'll see. But keep that in mind, folks. October will be off the chain. Our, our subject matter will be um, not, not standard. We will deviate. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. If you have a suggestion or favorite monster you would like to hear us cover, 
send them to oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. That's oops with two O's and no punctuation. Also, if you have any interesting tabletop stories, we would love to hear them. So tell us about your most gruesome monster encounters and give us permission to tell the story at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. That's oops with two O's, no punctuation. At gmail.com. Share an episode on your favorite social media. We've got links on our Instagram each episode with the pictures of these monsters that we're discussing as we make the show. I have been Hess. And I've been Gavin. And this has been... Oops. All monsters. Oh, yeah. Oops, all monsters. Like Galobolus, uh, you were talking about action figures and how their s- snake bodies don't stand up. Remember Galobolus from GI Joe? Galobolus? The... Which one's Galobolus? Yeah, he's this snake GI Joe with the snake legs that had like the eye patch and the green arm. Uh, I did. I somehow. Sp- I s- oh, I do remember him. He's super. Yeah, he came wait, in a three-pack with like a little insect guy and another guy. Oh yeah, he's Serpentor E, but he's not Serpentor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually think that's who I was thinking of when I was thinking of Serpentor. It was Galobulus. Yeah. Yeah. Galobulus. Gal- yeah. Galobulus. Yeah. Galobulus. Yeah. Because Sir- oh no, it was because Ser- Serpentor was just a dude standing there, wasn't he? Yeah, Serpentor was just a dude. Okay, but here's the thing. Is I you tell me what I'm remembering because there is some version of Serpentor <laughs> that has a snake lower body. I am or um, am I fucking crazy? Or maybe that, no. That, he had a he had a vehicle. The jet, that was the a, like little little hovercraft dealy Dobby. Somebody yeah. write into me and tell me what I'm thinking about because I'm looking at this hovercraft. I remember that that he's, he's got a little jet doohickey that he rides around on. I swear, yeah. I swear, like how Tila is also the sorcerer. I swear there was one episode. Where Serpentor had a snake. snake body. I swear, I'm not crazy that I, it's not just Galapagos. I'm pretty sure that happened. I can confirm I, that. Like, I'm pretty sure that that happened.